0: Pairs, Italian. I'd be glad to send them to you. Just send your name and address to the genuine truth. Of course, you have to be over 21 and an accredited art student. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle. <laughs> nutty season, absolutely. That's one of the things I dig about Christmas time coming up. All All the innate and deeply hidden total nuttiness of us begins to come out. Right now, at this very minute, there's probably more indescribable, obscene junk that is being packed away in department stores for people to buy. If they were in their right mind, they'd never buy anything like this. Believe me. In fact, for example, a friend of mine, he bought a foam rubber water hydrant. Now, what do you think it does? Curious what a foam rubber water hydrant does? You know, red water hydrant. Well, you put a bottle of scotch in it, okay? Put a bottle of scotch in it, and then when you want to, you know, a little nip of scotch, what you do, it's got a little thing on it, and, and you get a wrench with it. And you take the wrench, and you put it on top, and you move it like that, and it squirts the scotch into your, into your waiting glass. Now, isn't that a nice thing to have? And he gave it to a friend of his for Christmas. That poor friend. Well, (laughs) this is the nutty season. And tonight, as a public service, and I've always felt this, I strongly feel it, I, I will always feel this, that you shall know a society through the games it plays. Not through the books it reads or the movies it watches, but the games it plays. You know that uh, there's a growing uh, field of archaeological, well, archaeology and anthropology, which is connected with the study of games throughout all of recorded history and even before prehistory. It tells a lot. As a matter of fact, there were there, to give you an idea. Uh, one of the uh, one of the tribes of uh, the Yucatan area, for example, had a game back in its days that was fought, it was almost like basketball, and they had like a hoop, and these two sides would be chosen up, and they would fight like Billy be damned, you know, to get this little bag of, uh, whatever it was, rocks or something with leather cover through this hoop, and the one that got it through the hoop, they don't know the exact rules, either the most number of times or the first, won, of course. The other side then, are you ready for this, friends, was sacrificed by the side who won, with ceremonial daggers well that told a lot about that society <laughs> No, can you imagine if if the if the, let's say the uh... the jets are playing the washington redskins and the washington redskins beat them let's say twenty two to nineteen at that point then they wheel out the ceremonial execution blocks at uh, all the washington redskins are given their ceremonial dagger <laughs> and they go down the line whack and the crowd cheers holy smokes well all right so what about the games and and every christmas you really see the games you know all millions of games show up and i'm talking about the games that real just ordinarily walking around people are you and there's fantastic nuttiness in them and and the the game urge is a deep-seated urge nobody knows exactly what it's about so don't don't uh, send me your phd thesis nobody has yet been able to discover why man, among all the animals, has a desire to play these goofy games. And the games are getting to be more and more uh, surreal. And you know what? You know one of the things I think uh, about our life? I think as our life gets more unreal in many respects, we tend to mock our own lives by making games out of them. That's why so many satirical movies are out about America so forth I think it's they're making game of it even though it's totally untrue you know you you won't recognize a genuine American in, in a in a in a million films like Peter Fonda but it's a game it's a, it's a game and it's a game that makes you feel good about it and so uh, Tony would you please give me some eternal search for beauty music is it connected with that search for beauty for truth for meaning for plot bring it up take Tony yes as mankind marches down the endless staircase of time and history, as he bears his banners of defeat and victory, high blows the trumpets to the heavens, proclaiming his primacy over all that he surveys. Man, the center of the universe. Aren't you glad you could have been born a squirrel, friend? In fact, there are some religions that say if you louse up in this world, you're liable to be born a squirrel the next time around. Some buy it, some don't. But you could have been born a turtle. Turtles are born, you know. You're mankind, take a look at some of the games. Just keep that behind me, Tony. It gives a nice frame <laughs> to the game of existence. Let's take a look at some of the games that are now available for this Christmas. Journeys of St. Paul. Making colorful use of Mediterranean geography, Journeys of St. Paul traces the adventure-filled path of St. Paul and his buddies, Titus and Timothy, his buddies. <laughs> From Damascus to Rome collecting the 14 episodes along the way. Game also includes colorful 16-page documentary of St. Paul's life. You, too, can be St. Paul on his famous odyssey. Play the game Journeys of St. Paul. How about that one? I suppose they're going to come out next year with a game called Judas. You, too, can betray the Lord and be the... (laughs) Listen to this one. Year of the Lord. Since the church calendar encompasses the whole life of Christ, this makes a wonderful racetrack. Through Advent into Christmas, off again to Epiphany, around the corner to Easter, and circling the board finally to Pentecost. Yes, an exciting game. Some wins, some lose. <laughs> Making these up. <laughs> Move two spaces past Easter. Back to Pentecost, you've lost. Ah, and here are games for those of you who have a deep streak of the predator inside of your makeup. Here's one. This is a kind of a fun game. CNO, BNO, the game of railroading. Authentic game based on the actual combined systems of the Chesapeake and Ohio and Baltimore and Ohio railroads. Players compete against each other, as well as the elements, floods, derailments, collisions, mountain slides, etc., to earn the most revenue. Contains 97 real-life trains. Perfect game for those of you who enjoy train wrecks. How about that one? I bet there's a game right in the works now called General Motors. The object is to crush Ford. Outer act, their new Mustang, fight off Ralph Nader, and win through to twenty-seven and a half percent profits. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> You're the Lord. You listen to this one. Uh, you think uh, think that's good? There's uh, there's even better ones than that. Oh man. Yeah, you can. Uh, you know that uh, they have games now based on various battles. You know that, don't you? You can play Africa Corps. Your friend can be Rommel, and you can be Montgomery. <laughs> and uh, how about Anzio? That's a fun battle, I'll tell you. There's a lot of, You imagine some poor guy, you know, that spent uh, 19 days on the beach, flat out dug in with the shrapnel going over him, and one of his aunts says, Well, I thought you'd like that game, Anzio. After all, you were there. You'd love it. Uh, you want to hear one of the wildest games I've ever heard of? Get get that thing on there, Tony. Get a little more of that. I'll tell you, that that's a little scratchy. Do you have a... I don't know how they got scratchy. It's a new record. Uh, put on any one of the other cuts. Any one of the other. Oh, that's good. That's good. There's Mankind Marching. Yes, a new exciting game for teenagers and adults as well. Dirty Water player is a water pollution official in charge of a lake that needs a proper ratio of certain organisms to be ecologically balanced. You learn about various types of water polluters, each causing a specific type of pollution. You experience the problems facing real pollution control officials. Priority decisions, threats of pollution from an upstream community, finances, etc. The player who first stocks his lake with the correct ratio of organisms wins! (laughs) Oh, by the way, colorful pieces include algae, weeds, bass, etc. Draw two pieces of algae move back to third-degree pollution. Or you can play smog. An exciting game, smog and other dirty water games acquaint two to four players with many of the complexities and obstacles which an administrator meets in controlling water and air pollution in his community or lake, smog illustrates the complex problem of air pollution. Each player is termed air quality manager in his city and learns about actual abatement and pollution control techniques. A player who first earns 2,000 management credits is the best manager of a city's resources and wins. Smog includes 19.5-inch square game board, hundreds of pegs, Smoke plumes, rings, outrageous fortune cards, play money, dyes, pads, and letters to Ralph Nader. (laughs) Wait till they come out with a game called Ralph Nader. Investigate the hamburger industry. Now, that illustrates something, I think, one of the major curses of our time. I would hate to be a kid and get a game like that. You know, there's a certain kind of parent who believes everything that a kid does must be, and this is in big quotes, educational, even play, you know, <laughs> educational, and I can just see a lot of ants, and well, that's a very nice game, smog, yes, we'll make, we make little Charlie very aware of the pollutants, oh, the poor little kid, you know, his head is, but what he really wants, you know, is a fire truck or something, you know, and he gets a smog, here's one, how would you like a detergent test kit for Christmas, there it is right there. Uh, This is WOR, Speaking Pollution, New York. And uh, we're polluting something here, but I don't know quite what. Is there such a thing as electronic pollution? Yes, indeed. Of course, it's all in the ear of the beholder. Well, let's put it this way. It's in the voice coil of the the detector. (laughs) George, hit the ding-dong there. What the heck is this? Poverty, ignorance. Oh, I see hunger, sadness, loss of self-respect, disease, false ideas, hate. These are the reasons why people fight. These are also the reasons why the Peace Corps is in Ghana and India and Colombia and 49 other countries. The job of a Peace Corps volunteer is to give people a chance to develop dignity, to give people a chance to know they can do a job well, To give people a chance to be proud. To give people a chance at a better life. In short, to give people a chance. This is how the Peace Corps works for peace. Would you like to work for peace? You may be qualified. Write the Peace Corps in Washington for an application. Speaking of Christmas, we got old Matt Sherman with us tonight. And if uh, you're scouting around looking for a Christmas gift for your old butt- oh, but some, Oh, some idiotic psychiatrist wrote us a, a letter very badly scrawled. I, I, I don't believe he was a real psychiatrist. He couldn't have. And he's angry about pipes as uh, some, kind of <laughs> some kind of a sexual fetish which shows he's got problems. As a matter of fact, I must quote Freud here in this connection, doctor. Uh, Dr. Freud once, when he, uh, you know, he loved to smoke cigars and Dr. Freud appeared at a at a uh, meeting of famous psychiatrists who all gathered to honor him, and he's smoking a cigar. And he looked around the crowd and he says, Gentlemen, it is wise for you to remember it's also a very good cigar. <laughs> and uh, I must say the same thing. But however, for those of you who uh, have, a, have somebody around who uh, is a pipe cuckoo, who enjoys a good pipe, I would like to suggest Nat Sherman at 1400 Broadway. Between 38th and 39th, and they have a fantastic collection of them, and and uh, you can even get your own design down there if you like yours in the you know in the shape of a Con Ed smokestack or something, uh, you know, so you can celebrate uh, Ecology Day. You can get that. <laughs> you can. They'll make one for you that way. But this is Nat Sherman. They've been there for a long time, and they're at the corner of 40, or rather at the corner, right, almost at the corner of 38th Street between 38th and 39th on Broadway, 1400. Old Nat. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I have found that, that parents, it's just a casual observation, not being the parent type, but I've observed millions, that the parents who buy their kids educational games and stuff like that are rarely people with any sense of humor at all. <laughs> no sense of humor. In fact, this is generally the the, the the hallmark of a crusader. I've never known a crusader yet who could laugh at anything except the other guy once in a while. Never his you know his particular crusade and himself is a sacrosanct. It's very, very important. Uh, it's a, really a uh, you know this is a, this is a, you just don't laugh at him. In fact, uh, the other night. Uh, Crusaders come in all shapes. Do you remember the other night I did? A, I did a little thing on uh, about union leaders. All I did was was do my impressions of their voices. Oh, I got an angry letter immediately. You know this guy. Oh, wow. In other words, it's very fine to to uh, to satirize other people. Don't ever satirize me, Fred. <laughs> that's that's uh, forget it. But nevertheless, uh, this this is uh, this is I think the educational game psychology, and I. If you, if you dig that kind of stuff. But you know it can be carried to unbelievably ridiculous lengths. Do you know what's going on in London? You, did you hear about the big hoopla that's going on in London over the, educa- quote, educational toys? Listen to this one. London. It's going on right this minute, man, and they are really, uh, they're really uh, carrying on. The Christmas shopping season is off to a, quote, revolting and, quote, obscene start in Britain. Or at least that's how the giant controversy going on now over children's horror toys is being described in various public quarters here in London. It all began with the discovery of a human transplant game. (laughs) How do you like that one? A human transplant game, complete with essential spare body parts. The box top invites youngsters, quote, trade them, collect them, transplant them. You see this kid say, I'll trade you two pancreases for a liver. And <laughs> it's insane. For a little more than nine cents a kit, parents can buy their kitties plastic replicas of hearts, eyes, tongues, lips, lungs, fingers and feet, thumbs, noses, ears, livers, and teeth are also available. How's that for a cozy little collection to hang with the tinsel on the Christmas tree? shouted one London newspaper. You haven't heard the rest of it, friends. Are you ready to get sick now? <laughs> To make the game more interesting and realistic and more educational for the kids, the toy manufacturers covered the severed limbs with blood. This uh, apparently helps children understand the difficulties of amputation. <laughs> that reminds me of the of the so-called Every, anything anything you want to sell uh, anything today that that uh, that uh, appeals to the purient. And let's face it, uh, uh, sadism is. One of the more purient of our of our uh, deep seated desires, the desire to see blood and gore, is certainly purient. Is anything anything that that, that that appeals to the purient today? And this is one of the great hypocrisies of our time. I find it's very funny. Is always labeled educational. It's educational. So you go to see this movie and it's it's an old-fashioned stag film. You know, these people are rolling around and yelling and hollering on a sack there and it's very clinical and it's in full color. It's called Educational. (laughs) You've seen that. (laughs) Some guy wrote me a note. He says, a friend of his, he says, oh, was he bugged? A friend of his went to this educational Danish film that turned out to be about algebra. Was he bugged? (laughs) But this... this, uh, problem with the games I suppose it all started with Monopoly I don't know but uh, I was I, I, I the only game that I really remember outside of Monopoly as a kid was a game that I got from, from uh, and I guess this all of these games are variations on a racetrack every game is a variation on a racetrack it has a spinner Either has a spinner it has dice and uh So you go around a track, you've seen these things. It says, uh, move forward three spaces, and you hit the little spinner, and then it says, uh, move forward four spaces. You move your little thing four spaces. Well, I remember a game that absolutely got me as a kid. We got so hung on it that we played to the point where my mother finally just had to throw the thing in the furnace and forget it uh, it, because we got really hung on it. We were playing it in the dark. Now, I don't know why. We were playing this game. It got us so much. That we would play, me and my kid brother would play this game under the covers at night with a flashlight. Like at three in the morning, we're supposed to be asleep, and it was a game called the 500, the Indianapolis 500. And it had it had a a, a board, you know, like they all. This is called a board game in the trade, see. And it had a board, and the board was a, was a reproduction on the board of the Indianapolis track. You know, it's a oval track. Right? It's, it's really that game is an automatic game. The whole concept of the of the race is automatically a game, right there. So it had a track, and it had a start line. It had the you know the starting pagoda and all that stuff. And it was a picture of the Indianapolis racetrack. And it came with a little box of race cars. And uh, everybody would pick a little race. There's a little metal race cars. There's was green one, a yellow one, a blue one, and uh, they were all different shapes. And they were great little race cars. And I remember I picked this purple one. It was always mine. I always played with the purple one. My brother played with the green one. The old man would play with the red one. And we had these little race cars with a spinner. And I don't know what there was about that game, but there was something that caught the thing. Now, I'm not so sure that games of that type are things that girls play a great deal. I don't recall ever seeing girls seriously play board games now i am again I'm going to get deluged with angry letters uh you know I've been thinking about that uh, all this woman's lib stuff which is a lot of interesting stuff going on in women's lib, and I've been reading their literature and stuff and i and I think it's uh, it was inevitable that woman's lib would have to come along i mean the, the, the form it's taken uh which is angry uh angry and uh Almost in a sense, uh, self uh, deprecatory, where uh, people wear ugly clothes and they let their hair fly all over the place, angry. And uh, uh, it was almost inevitable. I I think that any great movement in a society produces inevitably a counter movement. In other words, if if you're living in a a very permissive society, uh, which is, you know, a movement, permission, it will also develop. A counter movement which is repressive. That there's always a a, a a plus for every negative and a negative for every plus. Now that's just a theory I've had for a long time. And I've seen it in life so often that uh, uh, that whenever you whenever you develop a society that is altruistic, there is in that society also a totally decadent strain, which is in a sense the other side. It's like it's like mid Victorian. They were so proper and prim with their Morals, and at the same time, uh, they were there were there were a lot of other stuff going on, which is you know pretty fantastic stuff on the other side. Uh, and this this is a this is really a, a almost a rule of thumb, and so we're living in a totally sex conscious age. Everybody's talking about sex, sex movies, sex. Oh, I'm sure there's going to be sex schemes for kids now, sex education complete with uh. Uh, plastic uh, various plastic parts of the anatomy that can be used for <laughs> sexual education and so on and uh, we're living in a very sex hung country and well it's not really just our country it's, it's the whole Western world is really hung on sex right now everywhere you go Well in, in Europe uh, pornographic magazines well pornography is, is the major it's really almost the major uh, product of Denmark today sold on the street just like we buy uh, you know anything else. And it's very sex drenched. Well, so what results from a from a uh, from a you know from a society or a time where you have pro sex? Naturally, an anti sex movement has started. And I suspect, and, I, and I'm going to I'm going to get millions of letters that the femi- the, the lib movement is basically anti sex. Now, I'm going to get a lot of letters denying it vehemently, but uh, I'm not going to be convinced because I've been around too many of them. Uh, sex was looked upon as exploitation. All of they're, they're, they're not using uh, morality as being anti-sex. They're using, uh, quote, oppression. So whatever you say, you're against it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't care what the reasons are. So I suspect that this is just a natural outgrowth of a sexually oriented time, that there would be growth of people who are anti-sex anti-sex and uh, they wouldn't take that specific name but in effect this is what it winds up being and i'm not against women's lib fine if you buy it good that's your theme i'm not gonna argue with you uh, i'm just making a, a, a sideline comment and uh i think i think uh, this this is all uh, it, it's all connected with it with the series people take things to I mean, the idea that we should have a game called uh smog. Can you Imagine sitting down playing smog for a couple of hours. <laughs> hey, I want a game out of dirty water. What do you say? Come on. Oh, come on, I could take you anytime. You don't know nothing about algae. Come on, let's sit down. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we got we got hung on this this game, the Indianapolis game, and it was me and Schwartz, my kid brother, and Bruner all four of us every waking minute we are playing this game had these only four people could play it and we'd sit, we'd sit there with the four little cars at the beginning of the of the of the the track say beginning starting line you start spinning the thing and of course right off the bat you could lose i think that's one of the great things about this game that you could really lose this game like you hit the spinner it says you have just crashed you're out of the race (laughs) and uh yeah it could cause a terrible trauma and I I, uh, I, I remember we'd, we'd start this game, we'd play this game for hour after hour after hour after hour. We'd play it over and over again. And it was during that game, playing that game, that I began to suspect something which most Americans don't even want to concede. Luck. Luck plays a fantastic role in everybody's life. And, uh, you know, we don't like to admit that. You agree with that, Tony? Because we like to believe we can control our lives. A lot of people really, you know, they want to believe that if uh, if they pray or if they uh, if they keep themselves clean or if they do push-ups, that uh, they will uh, they will somehow uh, avoid problems. If they buy insurance, <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed those crazy insurance ads that keep coming on, and and uh, they keep saying, well, uh, you you'll want safety, security. You mean to tell me buying insurance gives a guy a sense of security? Seems to me. <laughs> I don't know. This is just, I've often wondered about that idea. Sense of security. You mean to tell me if you buy insurance you may not get a heart attack, is that what you mean? I don't know. But this this is the this is the way people think, so who's who's gonna argue with them? But nevertheless, uh, I, I I think that the, the games many ways uh, reflect a lot of our fears. They reflect a lot of the uh, excitements that uh, we want secretly in our lives. And we used to play this game called Five Hundred. We played this night after night, day after day, until Friday. One day, actually, it was one night. It was about four in the morning. Me and my kid brother were under the under the under the bed there playing with the lights. And we hear these feet coming. And we try to hide it. And she says, "This game." She said, "You're gonna." I'm through with this game. It was it was a Christmas present. Guess who gave it to us? My mother. My, 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 You know, we got a Christmas from my old man. She says, this game, I've had enough of this. She says, you don't do anything but play this game. She says, you're ruining your eyes, and I'm not going to have you ruin your eyes at 4 o'clock in the morning playing this idiotic game. She says, now you're all through. Now, I told you, I warned you. And she grabs the game, and down the basement, she goes zap into the fire. <laughs> a lot of yelling. And we forgot it. The next day, it's all over. We forgot all about the game. But, But these games uh... really really get to you and i and i know that i'm sure that there's going to be a game uh, come out uh, and 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 they generally now today because there's there uh... They're, nobody plays a game for fun anymore i mean, just fun you play a game you, you learn about water pollution you learn about uh... conservation of natural resources and playing a game you take the uh... uh... the odyssey of st peter <laughs> oh boy that'd be a good one wouldn't it and uh, you play that thingy well, I, I suspect that there will be, before the year's out, a game called Woman's Whip. Yes, a game for girls between the ages of 4 and 12. Learn all the wonderful cliches. The heap calumny on your, on your local mail. <laughs> and uh, then there will be another one called Gay Liberation. Learn all the <laughs> in and out. And uh, it's uh, sure, you know, there's already a game called Vietnam. They call it Nam. Yes. Counteract propaganda from North Vietnamese agents. It's all exciting. It's all it's all part of the James Bond syndrome. of our time, everything's a joke and a yard wide. And uh, sure, I'm sure I'm sure that uh, there'll be a game called Black Panther. Yes, made from the selected writings of Elbridge Cleaver. This new exciting game, which is bringing the roses to the cheeks of all liberals everywhere, is a game which <laughs> two to four can play. Complete with uh, complete with uh, little pig statues and the whole bit. But uh, oh, I, I, I can see it. I can see it in the wind, and uh, it's you know that that uh, you can now buy yourself. And I did this in my show. It uh, it's getting you know it's getting to the point where you can't make a funny remark without it coming true in the next twelve minutes. In my show down at the Fortune, a couple of nights, I was doing this whole thing about how people are going to eventually wind up with uh, with applause machines and that in their house. You know, ego ego is getting so fantastic now that that. Uh, you know, people people uh, all think of themselves as playing a role, it's a part, it's showbiz. And that's why, of course, we can play games with serious things. That's why we can play game, with, you know, with things like smog, uh, things like, uh, you know, that you can buy a game called auto-wreck, right. and, and it's a stretch of the turnpike. And you go from one exit to the next, and if you make it from one exit, like, say, exit one to exit fifteen without having a wreck, you won the game. And uh that's kind of exciting. And uh, <laughs> and uh you can they have it, you know, you can make repairs, uh you can you can have flat tire and all that stuff. And if you make it to one to the next exit without having a wreck, you're the winner. Well, what does this show? It shows a lot of a lot of fear, a lot of frustration. And if you can make it into a, a game you're kinda of safe. Well I I uh I, I think that uh games now there's two kinds of games there's the vicarious game uh... which uh, people play when they watch uh, uh... speak of games by the way I, i've noticed if you noticed the rash of expose pieces by football players and baseball players and all that stuff you know so forth uh... people people love to read this kind of stuff you see it's, uh, whether it's true or not doesn't make any difference and uh... i could tell you for one thing uh, a guy who And and generally, this stuff is read by people who have always felt inferior in the face of athletes. They love it. Little skinny guys, you know, who never never, uh, got called out to play third base, he loves to read a book called Third Basemen Are Finks by the ex-third baseman of the Detroit Tigers who rips aside the the, uh, sham of uh, third base playing and shows that all third basemen are foul-mouthed louts. (laughs) <laughs> and he loves this you see because part of the part and you notice all the all the uh, reviewers they all, every time a guy writes a book that puts down a sport the reviewers love it because the thing that makes a guy a book reviewer is interesting in the first place Uh this, uh, <laughs> from the time he was nine, he just wasn't on the team. I, I, I just know that. And uh, he wound up writing for the literary journal, you know, at, the, at the Pitcairn High. And so his, his enemy was always the athlete. And So he loved to find this going on. And I, uh, I just wonder, you know, whether or not you'd get very far writing a book called Literary Critics or Finks, written by an ex-literary critic. Yes, the literary critic world is full of idiotic finks. Who gather around and sit there and titter and yell and pinch each other's behinds and they have nothing but fun and <laughs> I, I just wonder how far it would go or whether they dig it. So, so I, 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 I uh, part of our world today is, is playing games like that and and uh, uh, did you read there was a piece of the paper recently by this lineman and uh, he played with uh, uh, I, I think it was Dave Herman anyway big big lineman earthquake. And uh, he was commenting about uh, a book by a lineman, a linebacker, who was proving, you know, once again, proves the football is rotten game. He said, "Well, he said I remember playing against him, and I think he was right in his case." And <laughs> which I thought was a good line. So, so most of these, most of these, uh, these, these, uh, you know, these looks inside books are often written by guys who have a bitterness against the game itself, generally because they didn't quite make it. Fountain is a, a genuine case in point. He had one good year, maybe maybe a half a good year after that. And from that time, he was always an also-ran. Everybody felt sorry for him. He a bugged. <laughs> it really makes you mad at a game. I remember, uh, uh, who was the guy who uh, wrote the book? Uh, he was the pitcher for the Reds. Oh, yeah, Brosnan. Brosnan. I remember Brosnan, uh, who was always overweight, and, uh, yeah, he was. And I remember Brosnan won that out at Shea. I was out at Shea Stadium when somebody laid down a bunt, and he fell off the mound trying to trying to field it. See, he fell off the mound. He's laying flat. The runners are running all around him. And uh, uh, here the ball is laying right in front of him. And to, to show you how, how what a fiasco it was, the third baseman had to come all the way in and field the ball, which was between home plate and the pitcher's mound. And the next week, Brosnan came out with a, with a, with a stinging indictment of baseball. <laughs> oh, well, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, part, it's part and parcel, I suppose, of, of uh, envy plays a great role in our lives. And we don't often recognize it as such. Uh, not many people... You know, recognize the fact that uh, that the reason that they read magazines that uh, like you know the confidential type is because they secretly envy the guy that they want to see pilloried in the magazine. That uh, envy, envy is a real driving force. In fact, uh, I I saw a sad case one day, and it can be it can be really uh, destructive. I saw a uh, a review in in one of the major newspapers in New York, really major review. And it was it was, uh, it, was a, it was a review of a book, and it just blasted. You know, just a just one of those kind of reviews that's so embarrassing. Like, uh, why do they let uh, illiterate people like this write such crap trap? And you know, it goes on. Well, the sad fact of it is, behind it, a lot of people don't know what goes behind a thing like this. But uh, what was behind this review? I'll tell you. I know both case. I know both parties. That the. Writer of the review, like most reviewers, was a disappointed writer. Uh, Many guys who, who become play reviewers are disappointed playwrights, quite often disappointed actors, but generally playwrights. Anyway, this guy was a disappointed novelist. And why did he blast that particular book? Fascinating story. He was reviewing the book that was written by an editor who had rejected his novel. Now, did the readers know that? Of course not. But he, boy, he just took it apart. And he, in fact, uh, uh, for weeks after that, he would refer to it uh, in his other reviews about other things. You know, he just wouldn't let a dead horse lie. He would just attack that book. Well, uh, you can't separate uh, the human from, from what he does you, you really can't and I just wonder when they're going to come up with a game called envy yes the green-eyed monster destroy your friends uh, annihilate them and you can you can play uh, you could play uh, vituperation which is kind of a good game <laughs> or demagoguery which is always fun a little game a little couple double-handed game of demagoguery you can play George Wallace one guy can play uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry Rubin, another guy can, uh, can be Agnew, and another guy can play demagoguery and exchange clichés, exchange blasts, name-calling. But uh, i just just am curious how much in our world does envy play a role? In fact, uh, you, you read, you read, if you really read seriously about Hitler, you discover that one of the great motivating factors in Hitler's life was envy. Oh, he was burned up by envy continually. First of all, he, he, he always envied people who had an education, hated them. And uh, in addition to that, he envied, would you believe it, he envied army officers. This is one of the reasons why he took over the army, He just ran the whole thing himself in you know, a totally amateur, just completely made fantastically idiotic uh, decisions because he'd always been a corporal. And now he was at last in a position of getting his back. And he was kicking generals around. Envy. And I'm curious just how much envy plays a role in your, you know, your daily life. Just, just daily life. I wonder how many people will not like a show because somebody on the show reminds them of somebody who uh, knows them out once in something. Girls, men, who knows? Envy. Just, just anything, Tony. Envy. There it comes. Any, Just to turn on any one of them. There you go. Yeah. We'll let you out there for a minute. Think about your envy. Ah. <laughs> Kill it, Tony. There you go. Very good. Well, see what happened. In fact, you know what my mother used to say when you'd get hoarse. Uh, you notice that I've, I've got a cold. It's pretty obvious. So don't worry about it. It's not your radio. It's my voice. You know what she used to say? She had a great line. Whenever I get hoarse, you know, you'd get a cold. You start getting hoarse, and she's hanging over the sink. This is old wives' tales. See, and she's got uh, she's got a Brillo pad in her hand. She's hanging over a sink. And I come in. I'm like, why say, ma'am, I'm you a peanut butter sandwich. And she'd say, you know what they say about people who get horse like that? I'd say, no. What do you mean? So, well, you must have been saying bad things. That's that's God's way of treating people who say bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? You know, it may be true with me. Did you ever hear that expression, Tony? Oh, sure. God's way of teaching you. Uh, And so I used to work on being hoarse. I'd go around the house once in a while. I'd I'd needle my mother. I'd I'd constantly needle that way. Hey, hey, Ma. Hey, Ma. I was going through my ventriloquist phase at that time, too. I bought this device that said, uh, throw your voice. Uh, Learned to, uh, a little ad, you know, that showed this kid carrying a a, uh, suitcase on his back. And out of the suitcase was coming this voice that said, Help, 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 let me out and I was working on that, uh, you probably wondered whether I was successful or not, right? <laughs> Who do you think does the Barry Farber show? There's no real Barry Farber, don't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the greatest ventriloquists I know, those fantastic ventriloquist, is uh, Peggy Fitzgerald. Now, she, she really is talented. You know, a lot of people don't know that Peggy plays the Ed part on that show. And, uh, you, you, well, if you didn't know it, you wouldn't see her lips move. You'd, you'd just have to know it, you know, and watch her carefully. And she really knows how to do it. So, uh, friends, it's uh, not hard. You know, you can get a game called Play Radio. Uh, I'm sure you can. In fact, that's what we're doing here. This is not a real radio station here. We've just been playing radio. We got this game for Christmas five years ago and, You know, we hooked it up, and the damn thing works, and we're having a lot of fun here. So uh, join us tomorrow night, you know, at the same time. And together, we'll play radio. Maybe uh, play chicanery, too, while we're at it. Play uh, ad agency. And, uh, you know, you get little plastic martinis and all that stuff, little credit cards. A lot of fun. (laughs)